1: For an all-new episode of Keep It, I'm Ira Madison III. I'm
2: Louis Fortell, and I'm liberated as a writer. I get to go back to doing what I love, which is, guys, I haven't worked in five months, and it is going to be hard. I'm sorry. I already <laughs> missed the strike. I'm sorry. <laughs> Someone sent
1: me a text, and they were like, in our like, group chat here, they were like, you can go back to work, Ira. Congrats. I was like, girl, I was not working. I'm going to say, I'm uh, comatose hit. and loving I was, it. Yeah. <laughs> I was unemployed when that strike hit. So um, I can go back to looking for a job. Uh, So that will be fun.
2: Yeah. Joining us today, and I've thought about this, I think these are the hosts of my favorite podcast. Of the ones I've sampled, this is the one that is most entertaining and edifying for me because not only is it a pop culture podcast, but they literally teach you the names of people your brain refuses to remember. These names that pop up in tabloids again and again, they are so-called Whos on this podcast as opposed to thems like Julia Roberts, etc. They are the hosts of Who Weekly, Bobby Finger and Lindsay Weber. Thank you for joining us today.
3: Hi, thanks Thanks for having having us. us.
2: I love being framed as education. Yes, that will allow me. Yes. On this topic, what is the Who name You yourself have the hardest time remembering. Like, who do you have to wiki the most often?
3: For me, it's Chase Stokes, who used to date Madeline Klein. They're kind of a couple (laughs) that is, like, a big question mark. (laughs) He's now dating Kelsey Ballerini, which is, like, very important. But he is a big, Mm. like, blurry face to me in my brain.
1: Big blurry face. Okay, so these two people, I do know that they are on the show. They were on this Netflix show called Outer Banks, which I tried to watch 30 minutes of, and had to stop. But I feel like a lot of these people come from this show. And if you are a teen who has watched Outer Banks, you know who all these people are. If you have not watched Outer Banks, it's sort of like if you never watched, I don't know, Dawson's Creek or Buffy, and you were like just seeing them pop up in movies, and you were like, Who are these people that are in Can't Hardly Wait and Scream? Why should I care about them? Outer Banks. Okay.
3: Outer Banks. Outer Banks. It's just the one show issue. It's like one show unlocks two people who are talked about constantly in the tabloids. If you don't know that one show, you miss. And that's a huge problem in the Who landscape.
4: Especially (laughs)
2: since there's only like three television shows that I feel like is required viewing anymore. So television is this particular like, misty landscape of who belongs and who was a star, is anybody a star anymore, et cetera.
3: No one's a star.
5: It's impossible. It's impossible.
1: When you talk about who's on the show, and then, you know, there are the thems, you know, um, what is it like when you're, like, obviously, you're, like, you're explaining who someone is to people of the show, but who, who would you say are thems that come up a lot and you feel like you would have to devote time to talking about them, even if they're people who like everybody fucking knows who they are. So you don't really need to talk about what they're doing.
3: We like end up skirting the line on certain people because we love them. I think like we'll Mm -hmm. talk about Ben Affleck, even though yes, obviously Mm -hmm. he's a super them, but his um, tabloid, Coverage and his kind of Dunkin' Donuts involvement always lures us in. Him and J Lo coming back together was very tempting for us. This week mm-hmm. we talked about Taylor Swift because of Travis Kelsey. So we will get, we will, we will talk about them if they provide a funny like media or tabloid lens that we can play with, or if they're being kind of made fun of in a funny way that we can talk about. But otherwise, we try and stay away from them. And that's like also a service to us because then we don't have to pay attention to literally everything. Like, we can skip over Julia Roberts when we're reading, Mm -hmm. you know, Us Weekly or whatever. And that helps us. I
1: have all week been trying to figure out who Travis Kelsey is. And I'm sorry. I like, I watch football (laughs) sometimes um, because I'm from Wisconsin. And sometimes I will pretend to care about the Packers. But... I felt like I had heard his name before and I was like, this man is hot. So I've definitely seen gays tweet his photo before um, because that's that's the prerequisite. Yeah, that's your news. Um, yeah, but um, I kept trying to be <laughs> like, who is this man? Uh, and now I've realized that he's a superstar uh, and he's like hosted SNL before and he's very gorgeous. And when I say he's man, hot. he's a, he's, I feel like he is the first man she has ever dated.
3: We were just talking about this. She finally (laughs) bagged a, like, hunk. Like, capital H hunk. Like, not, she's dated hot guys. Mm -hmm. Like, everyone has their preferences. But I would say, like, objectively, look it up in a dictionary. Like, she's dating a hunk. Like, that is so nice for Mm -hmm. her, finally.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Someone online described this as Taylor's, um, like, she's in her American princess era. Uh, and so, <laughs> seeing seeing her go to the game, seeing her with Travis's mom, seeing her like cheering on for the game, which is which is so funny to me because you know if you you watch rom coms and you always see oh there's the story where someone's dating the sports player and then they're courtside and cheering, and my thing is. Has she done that before, like, for high school games or something? Because me, as a person who has never really cheered that much or, like, really <laughs> cared really about a sports cheered. game that much, I'm, I imagine myself dating, like, the football player or something. And if I have to go to the game, I would be so confused. I would be constantly looking around being like, do we cheer here? <laughs> like, that's my problem with going – that's my problem when I go to Wimbledon. <laughs> like, I can follow it, but I'm like – I'm not intensely into it where I'm like – I'm going along with the crowd. If you were watching me on TV from home, you'd be like, Ira doesn't know what he's doing.
3: (laughs) It's very like, she wears short skirts. I wear (laughs) t-shirts. Like finally she's wearing (laughs) short skirts. Like, yeah, i just think of that video where she's like, oh, she's cheer captain. I'm on the bleachers. Like, wow, this is Mm -hmm. like the only Taylor Swift song. I know lyrics to. And like, (laughs) then we're like switching. And now she's like, I'm living the fantasy. It's almost like, are you sure she's not shooting a music video? That's why sometimes she does things that are so surreal in her real life that I'm like, where's cameras? Like, are we being tricked? Like, all the fans are like, is this promo for, like, a song on 1989 or is this promo for something? And it's kind of like, you could be easily convinced because that's how cinematic her life tends to be now or something.
1: Even the song you mentioned, Lindsay, it's very... She's such an interesting pop star in that
0: she's.
2: I disagree already, but go ahead. Yes. With- <laughs>
4: <laughs> <No>.
0: <laughs> Don't get us and in that, trouble. She started. No, we love her. <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: the, Swift, the Swifties already have his address, okay? Yeah, <laughs> they can right. swat oh him. God. No, they can walk they right, right into to. my apartment, You're safe. please. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> oh
1: <my God. laughs> but uh, she's a pop star who started out meek, right? I mean, at least mm-hmm. the the pretending she was, Thematically, uh, yes. I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm in the bleacher. She's a cheer captain, et cetera. Um, and now she's morphed into almost the girl that she was envious of. Y- she yeah. is, you know, like the most famous girl in America now. She is the cheer captain essentially. So like she's become that. And I just always think about that in comparison, you know, with like, Not to do like the Beyonce comparison, but but R&B music and sort of like hip hop is just always sort of, you also have to have this braggadocio already. And I feel like from the Destiny's Child era, Beyonce was always, I'm that girl. Mm -hmm. That's like, that's Mm -hmm. always what she's saying. Bills, bills, bills is, I'm that girl. I pay my automobiles. You know, so... Beyonce becoming Beyonce just makes sense. It's not so much of a transformation, but Taylor- Beyonce
3: showed up like, I'm the prom queen. I'm that, I was the one you were jealous of, like fully formed, like, yeah, you're so right. She didn't, there's no like pretense of like kind of relatability ever. So it's, you don't need Mm -hmm. to bother, like don't even bother. (laughs) Really, I can't think of another celebrity- so suited
2: for the People magazine photo spread. Like, just like sh- there's something about her that's always presenting in all of her quote-unquote eras, like uh, a statue on top of a wedding cake, you know? Like, I feel like mm-hmm. that will be a whole new, like, level of mania when we get the Taylor Swift wedding. Like, there's something about that her fans really want for her. I Like, I'm frightened. I'm frightened. That's why I never,
1: ever assumed the rumors that she had married Joe Alwyn in secret. This... This woman is not getting married in secret. Okay. She's not. Ariana Grande can get married in secret because most of her life is like secretly stealing people's men. Right. Like Taylor is going to get married in public. Mm-hmm. She, she, we are going to see the wedding. There are going to be people outside the gates. It's going to be Diana.
3: I mean, she can't even go to someone else's wedding without being – just shaking up the entire town (laughs) and essentially ruining – Yeah, just – I mean, I don't know how they feel about that, but it's just like she can't go anywhere or do anything kind of in public in that way. But also, it doesn't feel like she wants to do anything in private anymore. Like, maybe this is kind of what the new – what the heiress tour is kind of – bringing into light, which is like she spent all these years with her ex-boyfriend kind of not being seen and being like, I'm living a quiet London life. And it's like, oh, I actually don't want to do that anymore. And it's way more fun to kind of just lean into everything that I receive from my fans in the world.
2: My last note on her is I have to say, I appreciate that in her various quote unquote phases or eras, I guess, she really cannot choose something boring because people find fasc- fascination in literally anything she chooses. Like the phase was, "I'm putting my True. hands in my pockets," and that turned into a sensation. Like album of the year. <laughs> oh my god, it's nippy outside. That's your new persona. <laughs> it's so it's so amazing. Even like She's we're such scraping such the bottom of the barrel. Uh, there were scraping the bottom of the barrel on this like like the memes coming up with this fucking football game, like she had a chicken finger and people are like crying. Like they can't believe it. <laughs> chicken finger and seemingly ranch. She had a... Right. That was
3: funny though. Come on, ranch. that was funny.
2: <laughs> seemingly ranch is a little funny.
1: Yeah. That's what it funny. Is, like... <laughs> I guess the last note for me too is, I mean, even when we talk about relatability though, it's funny that Taylor has always tried to put on this air of relatability. And I said... Sort of a Beyonce with her music, there is no relatability. Like she is icon. as she's always been presented as this. She weirdly is more relatable because even from the Destiny's Child era, like you would, you see food she likes, you like, you, you see her mom, you see this stuff. Like she feels weirdly, maybe not relatable, but you know a bit about her. The chicken finger thing for me with Taylor was interesting because I just don't think I've ever seen her eat and mm-hmm. i wouldn't even know what her taste is you know like what's her favorite food Except, i'm sure some swifty knows and they're going to respond in the youtube comments but you know like has she ever been on hot
2: ones coming soon i
1: would love to see taylor swift on hot ones
2: i was just watching the I In one i think Sync that would one. be iconic i was just watching insync on on hot ones and they they can't have five people in the sea. the way that guy interviews people that's going to be a keep it in mind sometime i can't i can't i can't, <laughs> I, I can't stand the cadence i can't stand the cadence anyway yeah <laughs>
1: All right. Well, we are very excited to have you both here. And we're glad we got to figure out my thoughts about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Uh, I've needed someone to talk to about it. Uh, And we're going to talk about more. Because one, this has been such a huge reach for music. I feel like we've been in a pop music drought. And then this weekend we got... Doja Cat, Kylie Minogue, we got Slater, we got Someone Called a Chapel Roan, and I'm going (laughs) to figure out who the hell that is uh, when we talk about new albums. And then also, we're going to talk about TV shows, prestige TV shows that are supposed to be good, but are maybe bad. And I'm very glad Bobby and Lindsay are here because I watched some of the new season of The Morning Show, and I have thoughts, and I have questions. So we will get to all of that in this episode and also Lewis got to sit down and have a queen
2: off with Tim Gunn and I had to restrain myself from doing my Tim Gunn impersonation which by the way is sleigh boots sorry I mean like (laughs) but he is such a dignified rad person as and by the way as amazing an interviewee as ever so enjoy that and uh, we will be back in a moment This week marks America Dissected's three-year anniversary. Congratulations to Dr. Abdul El-Sayed and the entire team at America Dissected for reaching this incredible milestone, and may the next three years involve fewer global pandemics. Listen to new episodes of America Dissected every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Now that we're in the shadow of renaissance and era's summer, so far the fall has not disappointed. September has been incredible for the pop girls. We have a lot of things to discuss, so let's jump in. First of all, I would say maybe the biggest release is, of course, Doja Cat, Scarlet. Um Let's talk a bit about Doja Cat and her new persona. Very much devilish?: Yes. Um, I think the album's debuting within the top 10. Uh, And my friend was confused as to why it's not going to be number one. Well, one, Olivia Rodrigo is still lurking out there and she's number one again, I believe. But also, America does not like devil shit. Mm. They really do not. They they couldn't even know? commit even to that show to Lucifer. They
2: couldn't. Com- that, yeah. <laughs> Who is that guy? Is that show still on? Yeah. Yeah. We don't even have a sequel to Constantine. No. And I've been Wasn't begging he like for a it for years. Friendly dev-
3: devil or something? Wasn't he like a quirky a quirky devil or something? <laughs> right. Know, no. Was he was like show? he was
2: handsome and approachable. I think was
3: <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. I love
1: that. Uh, what do you all think of this album?
3: Who wants to go?
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> I love Doja Cat. I feel like a, a word I would use to describe her, and this is a feeling about celebrities we used to have, and so it's it's rare when we get one now, I would describe her as Gonzo. There's a quality about her, where I'm just like, what are you going to get? It's so, you know, up in the air, wild. Anybody who starts- She's a Muppet? That's right, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm. The amazing Gonzo, yeah. She, like, flies off the <laughs> ramp or whatever every time the show starts. Yeah. Um, Anybody who starts an album with a Dionne Warwick sample wants me to listen, so I know I'm in the right place. I think her lyrics are routinely funny, but I feel like the irreverence and daffiness sort of loses steam as the album goes on, and I don't want to call it self serious, but it just is. It, it gets less fun to me as the album goes on, is what I'd say.
3: Yeah, I mm. love her first album or the the last one. I mean, I think she like that is my peak Doja Cat. Like that was like the best debut that I'd experienced in so long. And I think she is such a funny, like I'm not to, to, not to compare it to Taylor Swift, but in terms of like someone who got involved, got famous and then kind of wasn't ready for what it meant and is still very much grappling with that in her music and persona. And that's why I think the devil thing is actually very much a rejection of popular culture and trying to actually push away. Cause at, first, at one point she was like, I don't want fans. Like, I don't like my fans. And they were like, no, but we're obsessed with you. But that was so interesting because (laughs) we're in such a, we're in such a toxic fandom culture. She was reacting to that toxic. She was like, can't you just like my music and not be a crazy person? But the thing is like, they can't because we don't know how anymore. And we don't know how to have faves without being crazy. So that, I love her kind of seeing her grapple with that is interesting on top of the music kind of growing in a different direction, which I also think she's doing a way to push away the popularity of the last album. Like, I don't think she wants to be top of the Billboard charts, like in her heart of hearts. Like, I think she she said, uh, I'm a rapper again. Like, I don't care if you think I'm not this. I actually am this and I'm doing it And I and this is what I want to do. And it's kind of like, She's too talented that she's all, she's at the top of the charts even when she's trying to kind of do something more unpalatable or something, which I find incredibly interesting.
1: I really, really do like the album. I would agree that Hot Pink is just sort of like impeccable. Uh, I mean, it's unfortunate that, you know, she went to the doctor to make that album uh, and this album uh, <laughs> is not produced by him. Uh, but I do love that she's getting deeper into, you know, rap. And like, I love like the, you know, like the flows on this album. I think she switches it up quite a bit on each song. And I would say, you know, not to compare to um, Megan, um, who I also really love, but there's always the complaint that Megan sort of has sort of the same flow on each song. And I would say that Doja has switched it up so much on this album. Uh, And she definitely is grappling with the whole, I'm famous. I don't want to be famous. She references it so much on the album too. Um, But when she's in her laid back, sort of like chill, trippy era, like the song Agora Hills, I think is maybe my favorite that she's ever made. So that right there is a triumph. And she also has a lot of interesting samples and vibes on the album that I really just enjoy. So, and who else could make a song called wet vagina that's a banger so her taste level is really high (laughs) she
3: is just i really think so and i think she's kind of a troll and she started out that way but her taste level is high and despite being a troll and trying her damn hardest to push people away she cannot help but be like extremely talented and that's kind of why i love her it it gives kanye obviously kanye of past like not kanye Mm -hmm. of present but it gives kind of that that the taste level is high. She's listening to music constantly. Her, you know, everything is kind of, she's hearing everything and taking in everything. And isn't the album like completely her? Like she did it all herself. Like there's no- She did.
1: She did, yeah. Yeah.
3: That's, I think, and obviously that's a, that's kind of a pushback to the Dr. Luke stuff, right? She's saying like, Mm -hmm. yes, that was me then and I worked with him and I, and I, but I don't need that. Like I did it, but Mm -hmm. I don't need it. And I, it's kind of cool.
2: I actually would like (laughs) to see a whole bunch of pop stars just release a group statement being like. Yeah, we're still going to do this. But by the way, the fans are the absolute worst. Like truly what we (laughs) have to contend with every day of our lives, sometimes on stage, sometimes online, whatever, is could not be more horrible. I can't believe we're still doing this.
3: Um, I mean, they're scared to do it. They're scared to say it, right? Like uh, Mm -hmm. that's the problem. And she was the first to kind of be like, I actually don't like what's going on here i mean I, and and i don't you know i think different celebrities have had to disavow their fans in certain situations where they've been like i don't fans are saying this but i actually don't believe this but she kind of just did it like flat out like fandom is a is a mm. curse which it kind of is at this point
1: you know there's also people who use their fans as um hit squads so um you know, there's also that thing where it's so many other celebrities are like, yes, my fans, I want them, you know, to attack my haters or attack even people who um, vaguely disagree or don't like a sort of song of mine, you know, and then you try to have people who react, interact with their fans normally. Um, it can be hard to strike a balance. But um, if we want to talk about a pop star who maybe should read a little bit more online about what her fans like, I would say it's Kylie Minogue, because I love her. I love her so much, and there's a lot that I like about Tension. This is not a good album.
4: I I, I don't know. It's
1: growing (laughs) on me. It's growing on me. Mm, I think the material is poor, and I think that if you're Kylie Minogue, and you've been in the game this long, you should not be getting pop songs that feel like they are be seasides to disco mm.
2: like where, where 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 are the bangers here like, I, I I will say it has the patina of Kylie we always get which is um the, the ethereal rush that's how I would describe what she brings generally speaking you know like the galaxies are sort of soaring by and this sophisticated woman is taking <laughs> us on you know an intergalactic trip <laughs> um that said it does feel like these songs could have belonged to any era of yeah. hers you know it could have been from mm. disco it could have been from Aphrodite or or X even even before. Um, I will say the bonus track, Love Train, I fucking love, specifically because it odd. sounds to me like Dragonette, which I feel like was a very mm. underrated pop uh, fun, uh, moment in the uh, between 2010-2013 or whatever. Also, I'm sorry, there's just something about her voice that puts – I don't want to call it like um, – It's not like ASMR, but there's just something about her where there's a cool sophistication that I feel like is generally lacking in other pop vocalists. I feel like she's just a sophisticated person, and I listen almost for that quality more than I do the hooks.
1: She has an audiobook voice. Yes. You know, it's Mm -hmm. very soothing.
3: Yeah, yeah I'm, I was... I got to say I'm not a Kylie. I'm not a Kylie girl. Like I mm. am not she's not my diva. Like I like the singles, but I don't follow along. I just I like the album. I'm kind of like this is mid and also is Padam kind of like a fluke in a way in terms of this kind of everything colliding at the same time, which is kind of magical on its own, but I do feel like maybe the album doesn't even kind of contend with put like it it didn't even know that was going to happen or something and then it couldn't like figure out how to work with it or or around it and it's like that's okay because that happens all the time with especially with like viral hits but I I kind of expected one thing from the album and then was kind of like oh like this is still stuff that like is not is not my fave you know
2: Over the weekend, I rediscovered the theme to Ricky Lake from the 90s. And uh, I don't know if you've watched (laughs) that recently, where she's like sitting on a stool and kind of like has light swag, as Ira put it about Ricky Lake. The theme song to that show sounds exactly like Mario Kart victory music from Super Nintendo. And it's like, (laughs) so now I literally think of Ricky Lake as a contender on Mario Kart winning, and that's the music that would play as she wins. But anyway, please look up this theme. It is. A banger. I can't believe how good the Ricky Lake theme is.
1: Well, I personally think, one, Princess Peach could benefit from Ricky Lake's help. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Because something's going on with this being kidnapped by Bowser. You're letting him in. Yeah. At this wow. point. You know, victim blaming victim, uh, blaming <laughs> princess. Peach? I think she gets off on it. I think it's a little Fifty Shades of Grey sort of. She's page. like, not 50 again. Of Peach.
3: Not she again, me, me. getting kidnapped for the twenty fifth time in my co- long career as princess.
4: It's like maybe she you should be it.
3: governing or whatever. Like, uh, what is your? Like, what are your politics? Also,
1: you brought up love trade, Lewis, and I think Kylie has the same opinion as bobby because one of the lyrics on love train is 99 lives super mario want to be with you and spend them all
3: (laughs) doja cat wishes she had that flow (laughs) Uh,
4: cole porter wishes come on those lyrics (laughs) (laughs)
1: uh okay now we could shift to the section of music That was maybe more in line with needing Lindsay and Bobby's help because (laughs) we also have an album from Slater this week. And I adore Slater. I'm friends with her. But also, would she be classified as a who? Yes.
3: Heavy who, yes. Definitely. Heavy who. Definitely, yes. Big who energy. Mm -hmm.
1: I think we've actually talked about Slater on the show, for sure. I don't know. Yeah,
3: we have, She's an.
1: She's an online person, though, too. And I think I just read an interview with her um, that um, Tobias Hess did with her um, for Interview Magazine. And she seems to be a person who also sort of gets that about her place in music. And she loves being a who, to be honest. I think that she she discusses not wanting to um, sort of be one of these, like, main big pop girls. She just wants to make her music. Um and she's sort of deconstructing fame a lot in her songs, and I find that interesting. And I don't know I think the album has a lot of really good songs on it, and it's one of my favorites that came out this week.
3: I love that genre of pop girl, and I think they they accept it to varying degrees. <laughs> like you have your like Tinashe, who I think always wants to be greater, always wants to be a pop star, but is. To me, in one of the best positions you can be in music, which is like working, touring, able to make music the way that you want to make it, you have fans, you're able to do uh, promotional deals, you're making money, you're like, that is a perfect area. Carly Rae Jepsen, like these girls are kind of like... They they have like a little bit of success and then the rest of their career, they kind of get to coast off of that. I guess they're always reaching towards the next successful moment, but I always see them as like, that's the best place to be. No one's bothering you. You're not, no one cares who you date, really. You know what I mean? Charlie, like the, it's, uh, it's a great genre, you know, and they're all mm-hmm. able to be so creative, which I think is mm-hmm. the bigger girls maybe aren't, you know?
1: Charlie hates that though. Charlie wants to be the most famous pop star on the planet. She wouldn't
3: be Charlie if she wasn't like, I need to be the most famous Charlie in
2: the world. I will say something that concerns me, and I want to say that I enjoy this later album. I think the song I Love Hollywood is amazing. I just love how many of the songs are her screaming at you that she's doing drugs currently. (laughs) Just like, I'm a woman with a problem. Here I am. Um, But I will say, and like, For instance, one of my favorite eras in pop music, the late 80s, when there's these five particular women who all sound exactly the same, and I'm talking about early Janet, uh, Pebbles, Jody Watley, Paula Abdul. They all had the kind of same sort of street sound, uh, uh, sort of squeaky vocals, and they all feel like a class to me. It does feel like right now that not only are these pop artists joined in in being sort of on the fringe or sort of not being Taylor level, they do sound alike. Like Slater, to me, this album sounds like just a Kim Petras album. Like nothing else, there's almost mm-hmm. nothing else I can say about it. It sounds like a better Kim Petras album than the one we just got. A good and, Kim Petras album. Yes. yes, right. It's a, a, <laughs> an ideal version. <laughs> yeah. um, but like even like Ava Max, like they are getting a little confused in my head to me. Like I don't, if you made me like write a five paragraph essay about how Ava Max is not... Slater, I don't know that I could get through the third paragraph. You know what I'm saying? I would come mm. up with like a point and a half to make that distinction and that would be all I had.
1: But then you have the problem of Kim Petras getting a Grammy, yes, and so that sort of puts her on a bigger stage and yet are people coming to see that stage because people are tweeting, you know, photos of She's has bigger spaces now because of the Grammy because of that hit from Unholy, but is the audience there to come and see these shows? You know, it's like she's she's Icarus now.
3: <laughs> I mean, is there no bigger and- example of this than releasing a flop album? And then releasing an unreleased album that everyone liked more and better yeah, from uh-huh. before, that everyone begged you to release. And you said, oh, okay, I'll drop this album that's better. So now when we're saying, yeah. oh, her album was was bad, it's like, which one? The one that was good or the <laughs> one that she released like with the label that was bad? And that's mm-hmm. the issue. Now we're getting a two-track Kim Petras who's like heading towards maybe from the Grammys and then also the Kim Petras from the other era that didn't get a Grammy and is going on the route that she might've taken that way or something. But I also think she has Charlie Brain. She also really wants to be a pop star like that. You know, you can see it. You can taste it.
2: I do want to say I long for the days when Kim Petras, this is about 2017, 2018, You could not go out in West Hollywood or LA without seeing this woman perform on accident. I'm telling you, you would go to Sweet Green and she would be performing. And I miss when she sort of felt to me like the Angeline who did something. You know, just like, oh, like I was trying to live my life and I had to listen to your three singles again, you know?
3: I love that. It's like it's like showtime. Like you're on the subway, you're seeing the same guy. You're like, Yes.
4: (laughs) It's true.
3: She's nice at Sam's to- Club in like Greenwood, North Carolina, or whatever.
1: But, sorry. A- Ava Max did do a Sam's Club performance, she uh, said. and that was interesting to hear about. You know, uh, I I love Ava Max. I still think I still feel like she's like a liar, um, <laughs> because of obviously the story about how her hair she used to have that asymmetrical haircut. She liar. had that whole story about how she was cutting her hair then she was cooking once and like something was burning and i was like girl this is this is a lie and (laughs) i think i've told this on the show before but i went to the grammy museum uh where she was being interviewed which already sounds like i'm lying (laughs) um but she was telling a story about how the song kings and queens came about and you know she said um I'm on a date with this guy and he's got a lot of money, you know, it's LA. And he's like, you know, like get whatever you want, baby. Like, you know, like get whatever you want. She's like, Oh, I'm not really hungry. You know, I'll just maybe have some fries. He's like, get the steak, get the steak. You know, I got it. I'm paying for it all. And she was like, in my head, I'm thinking, I'm no damsel in distress. You don't need to save me. And that is how Kings and Queens was born. And I'm like, bitch, that is not true. <laughs> <laughs> You showed up at the studio and someone said, here's a song I wrote. <laughs> sing it.
3: God, we shouldn't even be asking for song stories at this point.
2: Yeah,
1: right. We gotta, make right.
3: We gotta make them up on the spot. It's mean.
1: <laughs> Kylie, how did you come up with Greenlight? Well, I was, I was driving in Los Angeles. And, um, but anyway, we have one more who to talk about. And this is Chapel Roan. Big who. And I have been saying who about this girl for quite some time. Just because when you're around gay men who listen to this kind of music, and you're you're watching YouTube videos at home, etc. It's an after, it's a pregame, it's a whatever. Someone was always putting on Pink Pony Club Mm -hmm. to introduce me to Chapel Rhone. And I was always responding, who? What? And then they'd play it, and I'd realize, oh, I have heard this song, and I do like it. But after hearing it, it went completely out of my brain, and this woman's name went out of my brain. But then I listened to this album this weekend, and it took me till truly last night to, because I kept forgetting to. These songs are bangers. Mm. They're good. So I don't know where she came from, but I'm excited.
3: I remember her from TikTok.
1: She, (laughs) She like... Right, yeah.
3: Didn't she have like a... Wasn't she a TikTok girly?
1: She sounds very Cindy Lauper to
2: me. Mm. And also her, her predilection for hooks too. It's very hook oriented music, I think.
3: I I think she's very she's like Taylor Swift tinged theater kid music, which I think is fun and she's a great songwriter. I think her ballads are actually much better than the kind of more quirky stuff.
2: Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths.
1: Black perspectives have not always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience
2: We are so fortunate to have this legend making his Keep It return. We do not often have returning guests on the show, but some interviewees, you know, need a second round. Uh, He's an innovative host, author, educator, driving force in the fashion world. He's also an Emmy winner, and not many academics can say that. Uh, He is the fabulous and inimitable and frankly peerless Tim Gunn. Welcome back to Keep It.
6: Oh, Lois, thank you so much. What a lovely introduction. And I'm thrilled and honored to be back with you. Um, I mean, there's so many directions
2: we can go, but I'm going to start with this. A few years ago, you, uh, talked to the New York times about your Sunday routine and in the Sunday routine, it sounded like you said you walk to the Met every day or every Sunday, pardon me. And I was wondering what is your cultural diet right now? Like, where do you go out and just experience art or be inspired or frankly, be Tim Gunn since you are inspiration to me and to us?
6: Well, you're very, very kind. I have to tell you, my whole routine has changed rather dramatically since the the pandemic and and being, well, not quarantined, but shut in. Um, And all the things I thought I couldn't live without, theater, going to movies, going to art galleries, going to various museums, I found out, well, guess what? If you have to live without them, you can live without them. Um, And... I will be perfectly blunt, other than visiting the Met weekly, which I do, I haven't returned to anything else. And I don't feel the sense of something missing. Um, I feel completely sated and, and um, very lucky to have what I do have. But it's very interesting how you can recalibrate your thinking when things aren't within your grasp and, and in fact, you're forbidden to, to be part of them. Um, so the one cultural place that I return to, as I just said regularly, is the Metropolitan Museum, which I can't get enough of.
2: And why is that the mainstay? Why is that the one thing you have to keep returning to? Because I assume you can go to like you know the Wikipedia for the various exhibits and you know be like oh you know that that old painting again or whatever. What do you need to experience about that in person?
6: Well, it, there's something about being face to face with things—paintings, um, sculptures, drawings, architecture—that uh, for, for which a photograph really isn't a substitute. Um, and the reason I, I visit the Met. Is because I can walk to it, um, and I haven't been on public transportation, well, specifically the subway, since uh, February of 2020, and I'm I, quite frankly, I don't, I don't feel a need to, um, and I walk most places, and and of course I live in New York, so it's a great walking city, um, but it, it is interesting how. One's life can, as I said earlier, be recalibrated um, for existing conditions, and yet one still feels very fulfilled.
2: And you said before we got on this call that you just went to Los Angeles for a day a few weeks ago, and it was the first time you had been on a commercial airline flight in three years, I believe you said? Um, Four years. What was that experience life? Oh, four years.
6: Was it a jarring uh, trip? It was horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. And it was horrifying from the moment I reached the airport. I used to have the TSA pre-check. I I didn't realize that it expired in 2019. So I'm in this enormous line of people waiting to, to do the TSA thing. I'm surrounded by a whole tourist group from China, and they were lovely. However, the people behind the, oh, here, fill your put yourself in this bin behind that counter, were so rude and obnoxious <laughs> and kept saying, if people can't speak English, they shouldn't come to this country. Oh, well, gosh. maybe you should learn Mandarin. <laughs> um, yes. I, was re- I was just appalled by it. And JFK and LAX, the two airports um, that I was traveling f- to and from, are filthy absolutely filthy. The OCD person in me wanted to put on a pair of rubber gloves and get some trash bags. I just, I couldn't believe how filthy it all was. Um, The flight itself was fine, (laughs) but the airports were awful. In fact, what's wrong with LAX? What are they doing to it? The whole thing seems to be under construction.
2: No, we like to innovate ways for our airport to continue to be dystopian. So once you think you've seen all the, like, oh, that thing's on fire or whatever, you won't believe what we're going to come up with next. (laughs) (laughs)
6: <laughs> <laughs> oh i've shuddered to think what they'll do to top
2: themselves um uh, well in this regard i'm looking into your apartment right now and it just feels like first of all there could not be more books in a single apartment this has to be a record since like thomas jefferson existed or something <laughs> but um well has your apartment become like a, a haven for you like have you turned it into yes. like the the place to live of
6: your dreams it, I, I really have. And I have to tell you, Lewis, these books behind me, this is, a, this is the tip of the iceberg. They're all over the apartment. And I love living with them. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a book nut. And it's actually the, the one thing I can't discipline myself to, to shed myself of. I mean, people say, well, why don't you get rid of some of these? I can't do it. I don't know why. I can, I can get rid of clothing. I can get rid of objects. I can't get rid of my books. Um, so, I have a bit of a problem. It's also why I'll never move. I can't move. It would be too daunting.
2: Now, it's interesting that you said earlier that you like, haven't seen like theater or movies in a while. But my question to you is what are the things, like maybe movies specifically, that you revisit the most? Do you have favorite movies? Is, it, is, is cinema a tradition you
6: care about? Oh, I care deeply about it. Well, I don't think anyone's... I I doubt that there's anyone on this planet who's seen The Wizard of Oz more than I have. In fact, I watched it again two nights ago, probably for the hundredth-plus time. Um, And, you know, when when you reflect upon it, that movie was made in 1939. There there are no computers. We don't have uh, computer-generated imagery. Um, I'm dumbstruck by how... Absolutely enthralling that movie is, especially when you consider when it was made. um I can't get enough of it. I also think that
2: movie is like a wild character actor showcase you know like like the name Billy Burke is sort of lost to time but in and she and she at the time would play these you know um kind of prissy society roles that you'd sort of laugh at but it, as Glinda, she takes on this whole new. Um, gravitas. Uh, you know, Obviously, Margaret Hamilton is uh, uh, the Wicked Witch of the West. Do you have a favorite performance in The Wizard of Oz?
6: I can't say that I have a favorite um, because I love, I love all of it. I will tell you this, though. At least I've gotten over my um, paralyzing fear of the movie. When I was a kid, The Wizard of Oz was shown on Easter Sunday all the time. And it was only shown on that day, and you had to watch it in real time. And I used to watch it from the the couch in our um, den under a sheet. Because (laughs) when certain scenes would come up, I'd pull the sheet over my head, and then I knew from listening to it when it was okay to remove the sheet. And and largely, the sheet was pulled over my head because of the Wicked Witch, because of Margaret Hamilton, who was terrifying.
2: Yes, definitely. Even when she was on... um she was on Mr. Rogers all these years later talking about how she's not actually scary. I was still frightened. I was like, the memory of you <laughs> lingers, woman. Yes.
6: Yes. She'll always be the wicked witch, no matter what. Um, she was okay. on Mr. Rogers?
2: Yes, years later. She was somebody who would like go on like tours like around the country, like talking to kids and stuff. And ta- anyway. Oh,
6: okay. Yeah, yeah. Was yeah. she on Hollywood Squares?
2: <laughs> I would love to see her contend with like Paul Lind or Shadow Stevens or whoever was. <laughs> I don't. Th- I don't think so, though. Um, by the way, you would have been great
6: on Hollywood Squares. Have you ever been on a game show? Well, that's what took me to Los Angeles three weeks ago. Um, Celebrity Wheel of Fortune. I had a blast. Get. I had a blast out. Can I? Can I yeah. ask who you played against? I played against Debbie Gibson and Luis Guzman. And, and both, I, I, I assume
2: you trounce them. I bet you can't, like, spoil that for us, but...
6: No, I can't spoil it, but no, I didn't trounce them. I, I no. will say,
2: uh, also, of course, uh, Pat Sajak is still hosting. I do believe he is, in a subversive way, one
6: of the funniest and smoothest people on television. I agree with you completely. I loved Pat. I loved Vanna White. Um, and I also said to Pat, whenever he says, okay, you, you're it's your spin, your first, said, I don't want to be first. I want to be third because the first person is the person uncovering the initial letters, and chances are you're not going to have the answer. Um, the person who will have the answer is the person who comes in after their eight or nine letters up there. Anyway, that's my side. But I love the experience, and they were wonderful.
2: Okay, well, we obviously need to get you on Celebrity Jeopardy also since you would be like the most learned celebrity in the
6: history of the show. <laughs> Lewis, I would have... Um, Such performance anxiety, and in some ways, what's it called? Um, uh, Is it impersonation disorder, something or other? I would think (laughs) imposter syndrome. Yes, Uh imposter syndrome. That's it. Thank you. Yeah, I I shouldn't be here. I felt that way about um, Wheel of Fortune as well. I thought, oh my god, I didn't crash and burn, but I could have.
2: Well, also that's a show where it's like okay to crash and burn since you know by even playing the game by spinning the wheel you can crash and burn. You know what I mean?
6: Well, that's true you can, and also that wheel is really difficult to spin.
2: It looks heavy, and they just like uh, it's not like there's like you know it's not like American Gladiators. There's not like a physical exam you have to pass before you go on <laughs> this thing or whatever. You know?
6: <laughs> Maybe there should be.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Shifting gears, I would love to talk about fashion advice fa- in terms of people you've watched on the various fashion shows you've been on. Sometimes you've been the one to mentor. Sometimes you've uh, acted in other capacities. Who would you say is the best at communicating with young designers that you've worked with on these shows?
6: The best designer or the best
2: individual? The the person who, uh, uh, the, the best, like, uh, I don't want to say mentor, like judge. Who do you think is the best judge you've ever worked with on, on these shows?
6: Oh, well, no, without a doubt, Heidi Klum. Really? Heidi, Heidi is so able to put her own aesthetics on the shelf and channel what a designer is trying to do or someone who's trying to, to um, make themselves, make their fashion better. She's so able to channel into that and empathize. And, and it's really, it's quite a remarkable gift and very few people have it.
2: So I always think about the fact that you come from academia and that your life basically took this unexpected turn into fashion television. Is there anything you miss about the relatively, I'm going to call it simpler life in academia without all of this showbiz and, uh, you know, uh, forward facing uh, life you have now? Is there
6: anything you miss about just being an academic? Oh, definitely. But, you know, I've returned to it in, in a manner of speaking. I, I've been um, co-teaching at Emerson College in Boston, and it's been a great joy because I'll tell you what I've been missing. When I taught, and I taught for 29 years, my students kept me current. They kept me up on what music people are listening to, what videos they're they're responding to. Now it's TikTok and Instagram. Um, but the, the students keep me current. And also... I'm always so deeply interested in, in their perspective on things, especially given this political climate. Um, and they're extremely well informed. I'm happy to say, at least my Emerson students are. Um, and they're—you can't fool them. You you can't BS them. I mean, they they really see right through it. Uh, and it's been it's been a great joy, and, and that's what I've missed. Feeling current.
2: Are there any subjects they've kept you current on, that is to say fashion trends, that you've taken a long time to sort of see their way?
6: Well, let me explain my view of trends. First of all, don't don't, don't chase them unless they're really affordable, which very few are. Um, let time sift through all of this because when a trend becomes ubiquitous, chances are it's something you should stick with. However, there's a huge, huge exception. And that is when did the legging become a pant? When did that happen? (laughs) I'm just, I'm horrified by it. And Lewis, I have to tell you, I think that if we started wearing leggings, Mm -hmm. maybe the whole trend would stop. Well, well, it's not even a trend (laughs) anymore. It's, It's just embedded in everyone's fashion vocabulary or most people's. I'm horrified by it. I mean, it's a form of undergarment. It's not meant to be on display in that way. Wear it with a tunic. Wear it with shorts. But don't parade around like you're part of Robin Hood's gang. Um, and you I mean, actually, I think it's worse in LA than it is in New York. And it's bad. Oh, good Lord, yes. it. good Lord, yes. Good Lord, yes. And then fold in a bare midriff and god forfend that the the legging should be the same color as your skin because then from a distance it's really horrifying um but yeah there there are things but rather than than um feeling that i've grown accustomed to a, to a trend and and it's grown on me i have the exact opposite reaction and and also i have a i have a theory about these things that you just can't quite wrap your brain around, which is, it's like visiting the monkey house at the zoo. Mm. And when you first visit the monkey house, you walk in and you say, this place stinks. And then after 20 minutes, you think, you know, it doesn't smell so bad. And after another 20 minutes, you say, what smell? But anyone new walking into the monkey house screams, this place stinks. And you know that happened with leggings. She walked by the mirror (laughs) and she said, I can't go out like this. And 20 minutes later, she said, you know, it's not so bad. And 20 minutes after that, she walks by the mirror and she says, I look hot. (laughs) No, you don't. That initial reaction was the right one. Anyway, I'm on a tangent. But I'm not a trend person. Um... And especially with menswear, I mean, in some ways, we are so lucky that we're not women um, because it's so much easier for us. At the same time, I, I, I just I believe you need to find clothing and, and a fit that works for you and that you, you feel confident in and feel that you look your best in. And then avoid all the things that don't. I mean, you're, you're seeing it now. We're, we're seeing it now. This trend towards big, baggy, oversized clothing. Well, it's fashion's pendulum. We've been wearing clothes with a very slim fit for a long time now. And the fashion world and the retail world are saying, no, 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 you need to buy some new things. So here's a tent. Wear it. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's not flattering for most people, Um When you're a supermodel, you can wear absolutely anything, but those people don't – the rules don't apply to those people. But for the rest of us, the more volume our clothes have, the more volume we appear to have. It's just not flattering. I feel like the word athleisure must send a chill up your spine. (laughs) Yes, it does. And you know what sends more of a chill in that category? Expensive athleisure. Mm. It's What's wrong with a champion sweatshirt and a pair of just gray fleece sweatpants to say, oh, these are cashmere sweatpants and they cost $1,800. Well, shame on you. You know, I just I, I, I just I have no patience for it any longer. Um, and there are places where it belongs. I have to tell you something funny. I during this pandemic and even now I work out with a fitness trainer, my beloved Jason um, in Central Park. And I was walking from my apartment to the park, and this person stopped me, and she said, how dare you? I said, how, how dare I what? She said, how dare you wear these clothes when you tell people that they shouldn't be wearing things like this? I said, I'm going to the gym to meet my fitness instructor. I'm working out. I am not going to the Metropolitan Museum. <laughs> so- <laughs> I, no, I, I think I maybe said this to
2: you the last time you were on the show. I— get frustrated for people that, that like, for celebrities that, you know, regular people find relatable because they'll just say anything to them. I feel like people must come up to you and one, beg for advice, but two, just you're, you have such an instantly familiar presence. Like there's something about you that makes you think, oh, I've known this person my entire life where I don't even know what people would come up and say to you. Like, I'm sure I'd be horrified.
6: Well, actually, people are – generally, people couldn't be lovelier. They're really extremely nice, and I'm very flattered by the fact that they think that I'm approachable because I am, um, unless you're a nutcase. Um, <laughs> but they rarely that know that. that. They rarely know that. <laughs> <about it. laughs> they need to wear a badge or something that says nut. Um, but you can usually figure that out within 15 to 20 seconds of a conversation. Um, and when people ask me for advice, it's generally about what they're currently wearing. I think they just want validation. Um, the one exception that I mean, I in general, I'm very supportive. Um, and, and I may I, I always return in kind with questions for them. How do you feel about this look or these things you wear all the time? The one exception, though, is fur. I'm very um dogmatic about you really shouldn't just leave it in the closet give it give it away turn it into a throw pillow or uh, throw for your sofa um don't wear it it's just it's not right is there anything any
2: long gone fashion i don't want to say trend but fresh fashion item that you wish would come back
6: no i i, I think when we reach into the past for those things that and and think about reviving them they tend to look costumey um And I I would say to my fashion students when they were creating, of course you should be inspired by the past, but don't replicate it. You need to look at it through a lens of the 21st century. Um, And by definition, it should change. Um, Are there things that you can think of? No, I mean,
2: I'm think actually, everything I can think of is sort of theatrical. Like the the words zoot suit came to mind. And I'm like, I I mean, like, I'm sure that still has a place in some uh, you know, whatever. But like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Nothing really came. to me. Maybe like a a kind of shoe. I don't know. It.
6: Well, we'll see. I mean, we'll see where the fashion indus- industry takes us. Um, but speaking for me, I can't think of reviving anything. I, I, I can think of perhaps reinventing things, but but not actually reviving them um i mean i i'll I'll say this i i'm a fan of the neighbor jacket i Mm. like that silhouette of the collar um and you see it occasionally within a fashion brand um i don't own a neighbor jacket but i do have an aesthetic appreciation for them
2: um my last question to you is, in all the years you've been a mentor to various young designers on these TV shows, can you single out one contestant as being just underrated? Somebody whose work you think has maybe gone under-heralded or could use uh, a second look at? Because sometimes I'll just watch an old season of Project One Way or whatever. I'm like, God, these people are geniuses. You know? Like, like, And there's several in a season. And I can't say that about, say, American Idol sometimes. You know what I mean?
6: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, I've developed a very particular point of view about the Project Runway designers and the Making the Cut designers, um, which is we can't want them to succeed more than they do, for one, but they can't succeed more than their resources will allow. And and when Heidi and I left Project Runway and went to Making the Cut, uh, our goal was to have a show that was more in line with the current fashion industry, um, in that it's very hard to be a fledgling brand and be successful. And it's also very hard to do without some deep pockets. Um, and with the, the the very broad reach of Amazon, um, the designers I'm making the cut have built-in resources of a sort that really enable them to do so much more than a project runway designer could possibly achieve. And I'm not faulting runway as much as that was just the structure of the show. Um, And it's just, it's extremely difficult to do. And I don't believe in pushing people into um, a position of wanting them to achieve success as much as I, I, I want to say just, spiritually and emotionally, yeah, I support you. What is it that you want to do? I remember Oli Herzner from, I believe, season three of Project Runway. Um, She was remarkably talented, and there was a great fervor for her her dresses, um, which were very Miami Beach, which is where she lived. and. She said to me at one point after the show, after the show had, had aired, it was probably a year later, we were together and she said, I just, I can't keep up with the demand. And I said, well, you have, you have to let go. You have to get into manufacturing and, and, and larger scale resourcing, or sourcing rather, not resourcing. Um, and she said, but I can't. I have to do everything by hand. And I said, well, then resign yourself to this is the way your life's going to be, it's not going to change. Um, and, and it's a, it was a sobering moment for me. And I think for her too, because she realized I'm, I've done this to myself. And unless I'm willing to have an about face, this is what I'm going to be dealing with. So it's, it, it, it's, it's complicated in many ways and in other ways, it's quite simple.
2: I want to encourage people to seek out uh, Uli Herzner on the all-star season of Project Runway, 2. She was a genius there. Also, season three, great season. Not that there was ever a bad season of Project Runway. In fact, I yes, think one... there was.
6: <laughs> <laughs> you want to name a couple? I'll name one. It was season eight. It was the season when we went from... Gretchen? Yes. Yes, I remember, yes. It was the season when we went from being a 60-minute show to being a 90-minute show... It was, it was unbelievable. (laughs) Well, one of the things that I love so much about, about Project Runway and making the cut, but let's talk about Runway is that nobody interferes with it. You just lob out a challenge um, to the designers and they work. There's no messing around with the individuals or trying to stir drama. Season eight was about stirring the pot because the producers were so worried about how are we going to fill these 30 minutes? Um, and everyone learned season nine was was completely back to normal, but season eight was a mess. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I,
2: I remember there've been various format changes over the years. I'm sure there would be some um, producer loopiness. Yeah. Um, but um, anyway, Tim Gunn, thank you so much for being here. Unfortunately, you will be called again to come to this podcast. Your time is not I'm-
6: up. Lewis, call me. I'll I'll run, not walk. <laughs> okay, great.
2: I'll be at the Met waiting for you. Okay. A-
6: excellent. We could do a show there.
2: I'm you, you. Your lips to God's ears. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Tim.
6: Thank you so much, Lewis. It's been a pleasure as always. Likewise.
0: Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. All
1: right, I don't know if you all are ready to hear this, but it's time someone said it. Prestige TV, it's just not that good all the time, you know, for every succession or Dexter, there's later seasons of Dexter.
2: <laughs> there's other Dexter.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and then there's also this show called The Morning Show. And Bobby and Lindsay, you're fans of this show. Okay,
3: okay, relax. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have some
1: questions. I wa- Lewis and I watched the pilot like back when it first aired. I believe we talked mm, about it. Terrible and episode I, of television. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I just started with I pressed the season three premiere on the other oh, day. no and I you watched so much. I watched the previously on <laughs> what has happened on this show in the two seasons the sh- people getting covid, people becoming lesbians, mm-hmm. Juliana Margulies is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now people are going to space, so. Oh. They're going. Oh, yeah.
5: Oh, are they going to space?
3: This is Bobby's, like, favorite show currently, okay. actually. So I think he is actually more I, of the kind of I lover. I think
5: that I agree with you. I'm not actually a big... Like, I don't watch a lot of prestige TV. Like, I'm not a big TV person. I watch I watch shows I've seen a million times over and over again. Like, I watch old... I Like, I'd rather watch a new movie than a prestige show. It's just, like... And it really is, like, in the truest sense of no shade. It's no shade to prestige. But, like, I'm never... I just never care. Um, and the morning show kind of satisfies my itch of sometimes I feel like I'm getting like I'm missing out on shows like I've never watched The Bear. but it's like the morning show is just so there's no work to do. Like I don't have to really care. And it also satisfies my itch for like something just compelling enough to make me want to keep watching. Like it satisfies my like, like like the structure of TV, like the structure of like serial television, like urge or craving. And this show, season one and season two are very bad. Um, They're (laughs) bad, they're bad. And season two is one of the worst seasons of television I've ever seen in my life. It's Um, Season three, though, they figured something out where it's like, it's like both stupid. It's both stupid and clever at the same time. It's like the perfect balance that they've been trying to sort of reach. So I think you might enjoy it if you stick with season three. But I will never call it good mm-hmm. you know i just like i won't there are good moments and there are a couple of good performances but like it's just a trashy soap and mm-hmm. i think apple really is trying hard not to sell it as that and i wish they would lean into the fact that it's a trashy I think soap
3: you calling it a soap is exactly why i think i like it because it does feel like the one show where we're like did you see what they did? Yeah. Like, oh my God, here's a screenshot. Or She's like, a
5: lesbian
4: now?
3: Like yeah. he drove his car into Lake Como? Like you're kidding yeah. me. Like the, things she like that. He fucked the
5: Italian documentarian and then <laughs> like, drove his car into Lake Como after Alex left with COVID. Like it's, crazy. It's a crazy, it crazy show. It is
3: crazy. It is crazy. And it is, I do think this is what people like about soaps. And I think we are not mm. a soap generation and, and I did not grow up watching soaps. I'm sure I easily could have if like a, if my parent did or like whatever, but it, mm. This really does feel like that, and I know that soaps are not. It's not chic to say it is one, but it's it's the same. If they ha- they could have a twin come back at any time, you know, someone come back, it would not be weird on this show for that to happen. Like I, it is just, it's it is that.
1: I'm a soap person, so I yeah. do get that. I mean, I did get a thrill from just bad soap dialogue, you know, which is which is yes. very much in this show, particularly the moment where. Someone tells uh, Jennifer Aniston, "This is unprecedented," and she stands up and says, "I'm unprecedented." And <laughs> I was like, "You know what? Maybe perfect. I should watch this." Just perfect. imagine
3: if Passions was made for forty million dollars an episode. Right. Like imagine it's so if, expensive. Like, yes, you, imagine if General Hospital was in space and they paid every actor a million dollars an episode, and it just was the most expensive piece of TV, and you spent the whole time being like, "They spent so much money on." This and it's kind of mm-hmm. thrilling because it's and it, just like being. Flushed. And imagine if
5: Aaron Sorkin didn't take him take himself so like goddamn seriously with the newsroom and like mm-hmm. let a gay man in there. Like that's what this <laughs> is. It's just. I mean, I know like all of these episodes are like you know they send all the like embargo dates and stuff. So and I also don't want to spoil anything. But I've watched so much of this season, and all I'll say is, this show <laughs> this show figures out. This show says. What if we turn January 6th into a soap opera subplot? <laughs> I'm telling you. And and when I tell you they succeed, oh, they succeed.
3: I can't wait. The amount of times I've
5: gasped at like January 6th content in this show is like, I mean, it's it's both appalling and like, amazing at the same time it feels
2: like like the level of melodrama and insanity you're getting is because of how much money is put into this show yeah like they Mm -hmm. like they're so like apple tv is just this unprecedented pile of money (laughs) and they want tim cook i'm unprecedented (laughs) (laughs) and they want the show to be quote unquote loud compared to how much Mm. money they're putting into it so it can only go these extremely insane directions including space
1: yeah. Which is so interesting to me in terms of the strike. Yes, I don't know the specifics of like what Apple TV was bringing to the table, but I feel like people watch Apple shows and, you know, because everyone has a fucking Apple TV mostly and they make their money not from these fucking TV shows. They make money from everything else. Apple <laughs> is not broke. So I feel like... Apple would be like, sure. Look at how many people are watching our shows because people are watching them, and we have the money, and we're not swindling investors like Netflix. You know, so Mm -hmm. they've got a lot going on over there. Like people want, they have multiple seasons of these shows that I didn't even know people were watching Octavia Spencer and her little podcast mystery show, show.
2: but they are.
1: Yeah, Foundations,
3: I mean, I can't wait for season... is. what
2: is Foundations? I went to San Francisco and <laughs> okay. we it, it came up thirty times. Good. No, I literally
3: went home to visit my parents and on the TV Foundations, and I was like, "Is that Lee Pace? Is this Foundations?" <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah,
5: there's like multiple Lee Paces. Too. And he was like, "This is a good show." It's
3: like, okay, you know what? I mean, like, I'm hear out here your... what they want.
5: It's actually crazy. I'm gonna contradict myself. I don't really watch prestige TV, but I love Apple TV Plus because I also love <laughs> Slow Horses. I don't know if you've seen Slow Horses. Incredible show, sisters, with show with Sersha's boyfriend. Mm.
3: Bad sister. I mean, they, they, there is like stuff happening. Like they are spending their money on either a $40 million episode of Morning Show or to import <laughs> an incredible small Irish show. Like it is kind of this weird thing where you are getting like, Maybe the worst and the best of, of what a streamer with a lot of money could possibly mm-hmm. do. You just have to mm-hmm. seek it out. And that I think is because you'll never hear of bad horses unless Bobby tells you. You'll never yeah, hear they're of bad horses. Slow sisters.
5: horses, exactly. And <laughs> that's, horses. that's the crazy thing about these shows. <laughs> yeah. bad, they're, horses. They're bad horses. Bad horses. Bad horses. Bad horses. With horses luck. Coming to Bravo. Show, bad
2: horses. <laughs> it's yeah, sort wait. of like
5: I'm I'm shocked and honestly sort of impressed by the fact that by the by, the show's inability to move any sort of conversational needle. No one talks about any of these shows. No. Like, <laughs> no. I remember watching the second season of Morning Show and suddenly Reese Witherspoon woke up in bed with Juliana Margulies and they were making out. And I was like, how have I not seen a single screenshot of this anywhere? How has no one talked about this scene no where Julian Margulies and Reese Witherspoon are making out in the middle of a pandemic. Come on. I want to say it's on the topic wild. of
2: faux prestige, and I want to give credit to my friend uh, Karen Tonkson, who used to co-host uh, a podcast called Pop Rocket with me. She coined the term faux tige, which is, I, mm-hmm. I believe, a giant and sprawling um, uh, genre of television, most of television, in fact. When I hear that term, the first show that comes to mind is Bates Motel for me. I don't know why. And I, I, I want to try to get into this it was a show based on the movie Psycho, so it's like we're mm-hmm. associated with Prestige, but then mm-hmm. why is it five seasons long? Why do, do we need that this much of it? No one's really talking about it. It's fine enough. No one's saying it's a bad show, but no one's saying it's particularly great either. And this also brings to mind the question, you remember that on Bates Motel at the end, Rihanna came in as Marion Crane, which is like <laughs> yes. one of the wildest choices
5: ever in the history of television. She's Marion Crane in the show? Yes. 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 So it like the leads sh- up. So the show ends with the beginning of Psycho? Correct. That it's an color? origin okay. story for Norman oh, Bates. Yes, and, okay.
1: and the in the series finale, Marion Crane finally shows up and it's played by Rihanna and it's because Rihanna was a huge fan of Bates Motel. Oh, and my I think God. If you remember earlier, I love earlier internet, right? Um, Rihanna used to live stream on Instagram watching Bates Motel and her fans (laughs) would watch her watching it. And so she did that with the finale that she was in and it sort of came full circle.
3: That's so beautiful. The internet used to be cool, actually. It did. (laughs) And fun. And celebrities could use it and not feel insane and they would enjoy the fan interaction and it's crazy. By the way, wasn't that on...
5: Well, was that on AMC or Annie or one of those channels? Because it's like I feel like that was a pre-Apple TV Plus sort of like like dispensary for like shows that are pretty good that a lot of people watch, but I never hear about it, you know, personally. Like that was one of those shows. Everyone would say like watch Bates Motel, but it's like, I don't know how to do AMC. I'm sorry. I can't do this.
2: No, it's just like <laughs> I heard that like four shows on Stars were canceled this weekend. I saw the, mm-hmm. the the list of the shows. I'm like, are you sure they were shows? Are you sure <laughs> they were seeable? Ever. Okay, is, don't talk about run the world like that, Louis.
3: That's okay. anyone watching uh, American Horror Story with Kim Kardashian because there's a show right. where I can't stop seeing promo for, and yet I don't think anyone tuned in for the premiere. Like, I don't even think anyone watched that. We got pulled 20 minutes of it and couldn't deal. It was awful. Yeah, turned it, it off. Came it came out bad.
1: of nowhere. I sort of forgot. I was telling myself, oh, I'm going to watch it. And then I realized it was on, a friend was over and I realized it was on and I pressed play and then we were
2: like, Let's watch something else.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
4: that's how you know. let's turn
2: on the morning show. That <laughs> yeah. it, that reminds me of when they try to give like a popular TikToker or YouTuber like a show on E for a second. Like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe maybe their rabid fans will go and follow them there. But that's exactly what they don't want. So it's like mm-hmm. no Kim Kardashian's fans. Like, oh, I have to go see her contend with Kathy Bates or whatever is happening on the newest season of that show. I assume mm-hmm. Kathy's don't still not there. Really
1: sing like that? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> a, but by the way, about Rihanna. I she might have an even funnier filmography ultimately than Taylor Swift if we're talking about superstars with like who Mm -hmm. dabbled like because Taylor obviously has Valentine's Day, The Lorax, The Giver, Cats, and Amsterdam, which is infallible by the way. But then Rihanna (laughs) has Valerian, Battleship, Bates Motel. So I mean, it's really here or there. I can't I can't pick and
5: Ocean's Eight and Ocean's Eight of course yeah Ocean's Eight and also. her iconic part in Ocean's Eight, where she's like, "My friend <laughs> is a magnet expert, yeah. or whatever." <laughs> my
4: sister. I her think. most
5: crucial part in Ocean's Eight. <laughs> she also has the benefit of her
1: filmography being integral to, you know, her her sort of whole being because Rihanna Navy came from the mm-hmm. film Battleship.
2: It's so yeah. embarrassing. Oh I'm God, sorry. So it's an true. embarrassing reality for Rihanna that she is God, still God. dealing with that movie. <laughs> It's like if Madonna's fans were called W Ears or something. Yeah.
3: <laughs> God, it's like doing promo for that movie, Fah had to follow her entire career. And like, all we want to do is forget that she did the movie at all.
1: <laughs> you know, it was on at Julius the other day. And perfect. It's gay people have to I enjoyed be watching it on mute. Yeah. So.
3: <laughs> and you were like, this is good. <laughs> it's
2: good. Rihanna in I'm
3: military garb,
2: I enjoy, you know.
3: Right, mm-hmm. she could have done a whole Navy era. She could have done the the outfits, the looks, the dances, but well, she had to be in the, the movie The Only
1: Girl in the World tour, which I recall seeing in New York, um and Kesha opened for her actually. Mm. Um The Only Girl in on the World tour, she while singing the song hard, if you remember that song mm-hmm. featuring Jeezy, um she is humping a pink um tank. So <laughs> Oh. The video is very yeah. tanky too, right? The yeah. video is very enlisted, like, army. is what you're
3: saying. She did everything yeah, she, but enlist.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she got people to enlist, actually. That's okay. We talk amazing. about Taylor getting people to vote. I'm, I'm sure Rihanna got people to sign up for the Navy. I'm sure, you know. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. But, you know, gay. So they were probably turned away. That's right. Oh, God. <laughs> is there any other. Fotage that we're that we're into.
3: Well, did you guys watch in just like that, or are we oh, just and course. just like Oh, well, it I it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm totally shocked. Yes, yes, yes. Honestly, dreaming.
5: Talk about <laughs> a soap. <laughs> and while we're on the subject of Max, uh, Gilded Age too. That's perfect footage. It's like expensive, oh, expensive wait. campy soap trash. Amazing.
1: You know, when I never watched ba- season, season one, and I mm-hmm. think
5: I should. I
1: should watch season one so I can. Yeah, you should. Get, You'll watch get it, in it in one day.
3: So fun! <laughs> okay. I, I promise you. That's my. That's my morning show. I'm Gilded Age Gilded Aged. I'm. <laughs> I'm Gilded. <laughs> I stand that show so hard. It is so gilder. Stupid. I am gilded. It's perfect. Please watch it.
2: That's the show where again I've seen a few episodes. I keep thinking Sarah Paulson is on it. She is not on that show. But everybody who is almost Sarah Paulson is on that show. Carrie Coon, Christine Baranski. Yes, every New York theater Mm -hmm.
3: actor is on that show, having the goddamn time of their lives. They are. Having so much fun in their little outfits, it's like it really is a joy to watch. I swear.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And I will,
1: I guess, maybe watch it because I would love to see Cynthia Nixon uh, doing something um, not embarrassing, dignified. Yes, um, right. Yeah. Wait, yeah. I don't
3: know if that. Wait, then you actually shouldn't watch. She
4: doesn't.
2: She's they don't. Kind of an-
4: She's sort of she's disrespected in Jay the first Diaz season of this and- show.
3: Yeah, but she's kind of like the sad single sister who like can't get it together. <laughs> yeah.
5: She's the pathetic sister, and all Christine so, Bransky does is make fun of her. So uh, hopefully so in season two she'll like, would get something reason. to do. Yeah.
3: That's yeah, true. That's true.
1: Great show. Uh I know I I really did enjoy And Just Like That Eden, and, and I would love to see I'm so glad it got renewed for a third season. It is exactly what you said about morning show it's horrible and yet i can't stop watching it i'm gonna need mm-hmm. multiple seasons of and just like that and i hope i hope sometimes i hope that they'll get it together but i know they probably won't and it's it's so interesting that you can i think someone pointed this out online if you view the show in the context of this is continuing the movies it makes a bit more sense than this is continuing the tv show cuz it's nothing like sex in the city no. but it is everything like sex in the city
5: too <laughs> yeah
3: that does make sense yeah mm-hmm.
5: people need to once you once you get over once you get over the fact that it's a it's very jarring to turn it on after you've watched every episode of sex in the city 100 times <laughs> and you like like just relax and accept the fact that it's not that it's very hard to hate it's just so <laughs> It's so dopey and nice. I don't know. I would it's say
2: attention to Dave Holmes wrote an amazing piece for, I believe uh, GQ on this exact appeal, how he hopes it re- remains exactly the thing it is for however long it lasts, which by the way, could mm-hmm. be forever given um, <laughs> yeah. how many of my friends actually do watch this show. Anyway, people love this show. So it's, It's not going
1: anywhere, I don't think. It's it's
3: kind of nice. We're all, like, in it together. It feels rare that we have a show that we're all just kind of, like, watching whether we like it or not. It's like, well, I have to watch it. Like, I can't can't not watch it.
5: It was real (laughs) appointment (laughs) viewing. Like, I can't remember the last time there was, like, genuine appointment viewing for me.
3: Yeah, really Like, on
5: the couch Thursday nights. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And speaking of soaps, even, you know, it feels very it feels very heyday of primetime soaps, you know? Because Dynasty, Dallas Mm. was appointment viewing, and I've rewatched all these shows, and there are good episodes of them, good seasons of them, but there's also a lot of bad ones, because obviously you were making 30 episodes a season in 1984, and people were on cocaine, (laughs) and um, also just rushing out things for network TV schedule, and it... The writing feels about as good as writing on season six of Dynasty. So that's it's TV. That's T- That's what TV should be, shouldn't yeah. it? Yep.
3: I wish they would spend, though, a little less money on the individual <laughs> episodes just because they're not making things look good. I mean, as Bobby loves to say, when they went to Coney Island and in Just Like That, they might as well have... Just put a green screen up they might as well have like it looked AI'd horrible that shit. it looked mm-hmm. horrible yeah. Coney Island's never looked like that it it mm-hmm. doesn't even look like what I think it once looked like or no. whatever like no world no real life has ever looked like that so it's like it does feel like kind of a waste of big beautiful cameras to do what they're doing to television and we maybe the money could be spent better elsewhere yeah. You
5: know, every interior would, looks like a hotel lobby it doesn't yeah. matter where yes. they are it all oh, looks like a hotel such
1: lobby a brilliant comment yes, her new
2: yes, house so right.
1: Her new apartment looks exactly like a bed and breakfast. Yeah, Yeah,
3: she lives in Gramercy now. I can't wait for season whatever where Carrie lives in Gramercy. Carrie has a staircase. She has to to figure out what bodegas she goes to or something. Like That's relatable to me.
1: I will also say that the one thing I do hope for season three, and this would be them figuring out, you know, the thing that would really work for the show, is this is an ensemble show. And the ensemble is rarely together. Mm-hmm. And even the new women they've added, they like they all hang out with, you know, their woman of color. And those mm-hmm. people don't all interact. And I like that they were all at the dinner in the finale, because shouldn't these people be friends <laughs> so we can see them interacting in scenes together? Like have all six of them at brunch. Each episode. That's all I want.
5: Well, Naya's, Naya's too busy making souffles at home. You know, like we, Naya's
3: too busy on the morning Zoom show
5: with her other friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the other friends. I like that. I liked the subtext of that scene was sort of the other friends being like, "Who are these women that you've been hanging out with? Like, what exactly is?
3: This? Are you okay? Can we come over?" And she's like, "No, don't come over." There's are a you woman friends living with Carrie in, Bradshaw in my house?
4: <laughs>
5: <laughs> because like, think about it. If you were a random college professor and y- and you had a group of friends and your friends found out that you were suddenly best friends with Candace Bushnell or like I don't yeah. know Eugene Carroll you'd be like <laughs> wait a second how did this work like and no one no one ever brings that up it's strange she's a celebrity
4: right yeah like the, she's a
5: celebrity
1: the show has never really quite delved into that enough for me even the mm-hmm. original show sometimes but i always think about the fact that she is a celebrity, specifically a New York celebrity, and she's never really treated like one. Right. No, and it's always know. so it's fun
3: in the original season where a fan would, like, come up to her or something. Like, that happened so rarely, but it did happen a few times, and it was so in Paris. charming, like a young... Yeah. Girly, or somebody who actually did recognize her, and that was kind of fun. And in this one, it's very weird. Only at only at the podcast studio do, do people like mm. know that she's famous, yeah. and then she ruins their whole business. Who was also, it? It was Kat sh-
5: Dennings who was like, "I yeah. fucking love you, bitch," or yes. whatever. Like, we need more of that. No one recognizes <laughs> <We do>. her. <laughs> we do. We and do. men
1: should be men should be scared of this bitch.
4: Yeah, yeah. right,
1: right. It, the way she would expose men weekly, like in her column, like she, you know, like talking about. Um, the politician who liked to, uh, you know, who had the water sports fetish. Mm-hmm. She, mm-hmm. she should be scary to men in New York. And mm-hmm. I always thought that that was something that they could delve into. Um. Anyway, prayers, um, prayers for
3: that show. We, yeah. we always end up oh.
1: there. <laughs> I guess the show. I guess the show did deal with her celebrity briefly in this season when Aiden's ex-wife had lunch with her and said, "Whatever happens." please don't write about my children. And I'm mm-hmm. like, girl, she doesn't, she doesn't want to write about your children. <laughs> yeah. That was <would laughs> quite a
2: detour for her.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Which also just reminds you that this show is happening in some different weird universe. If only because the original show was narrated by Carrie. And mm-hmm. I would just always assume that everything that happens in the show was maybe something she write, wrote about. Like she wrote about her friends' lives. She narrated her friends' lives. And if this had happened in the original shows, she would have narrated it, and I would have thought, well, she's already written about it, girl.
4: So... (laughs) Yeah.
5: God, the universe. And the universe this show takes place in is, I'm sorry, the morning show's universe. Like... (laughs) Bradley Jackson and Carrie Bradshaw need to interact in some way. We need like that's a so network true. crossover here. I they're both filmed true. in the same like Mandalorian green screen. Like when Miranda went it. on the
3: BBC at the end of the series, like that was actually the morning show. Like she, that, that was what she was, she was preempting or whatever. Yeah.
1: I hope Miranda is a news anchor, like a news reporter uh, <laughs> next season, or at least going on CNN regularly. Like She that loves to have a life. job. She's going to be
3: like a like a postman or something. Like they're, they love to give her like jobs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, when we are back, Lindsay and Bobby will join us for our favorite segment of the episode, Keep It. And we are back with our favorite segment of the episode, Keep It. We'll let you go first, Lindsay.
3: I'm going first? Lindsay. You're okay. one of our
1: guests of honor, you know. How, and, you you, know, ladies how first. do you start
3: the? You can like, be, you can like, be
2: as with as much rancor as you want. You can say keep it to yeah. whatever. Yeah.
3: Okay. Okay. I'm gonna have to say Bobby gave me this one because he knows I've been on a run recently, but I need, I need to keep it with the new Kristen Cavallari, like I'm real, I'm honest podcast. I am so sick of these celebrities <laughs> promising me honesty and their true selves and their true personalities and then giving me absolutely nothing this nothing. woman we know you're a bitch we know you're real we we want that from you i've seen you on tv for so many years like You are finally saying it's time for me to do a podcast and you're gonna give me one of the most boring, (laughs) oh, self-help. Oh, um bettering myself, da-da-da, like whatever. No, be real, be rude. Like, I just it's unbelievable. The first episode, she I was like, talk about how you're divorced now and like go, let's, let's go, let's go in and nothing, just the most. I'm healthy, I'm happy, whatever, good for you, I, then you don't need a podcast because it's so boring and I hate it and you can keep it and all these celebrities with podcasts either come to the table with something good or just don't even bother. That's my rant.
1: We are in a real era of just truly every fucking celebrity has a podcast now yep. and it really has to stop because I, I also don't know what so many of them are talking about and so no. many of them are – I get the ones who are recapping their old TV shows. So like the, you know, there's the OC, there's the Office. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, you know, get James Vanderbeek to do a Dawson's Creek one. I would love to listen to that. But people like, you know, Imrata or something, at least people listen to hers, I think. But it's just like a um, glut. Canceled.
3: Like you half of them they don't oh, want to do themselves. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah, so it's like, we're adjusting. Yeah. I don't know if she's actually canceled. I think she might find another way to keep talking on the internet. But But I just am like – these people half the time don't know what they're signing up for and don't know even know that they want to do it and they're just like kind of presented with this like oh talk and like people will tune in listen and we'll pay you and then you're then I have to experience it that your disinterest with the entire thing like it's just it's exhausting it really is there's
2: also something about a reality star being like I'm going to finally be real your whole thing is being chronically talking about yourself like like showing us your entire lives there's nothing left to expose sorry there's nothing you could do it's like oh and by the way I'm an amazing sculptor like
5: I know that's not going to happen you know
4: Mm. That's why it the opening of that so, episode is so clunky because so she's like, I know
5: that I've been doing this for so long, but you don't actually know the real me, and it's like, so you're a liar. Like, <laughs> what, <laughs> what, am, what am I doing here? Like, I'm supposed to trust you now? It's been 20. It's years. also just
3: rare that you you have a celebrity where you're like, oh, there's a little bit of like edge to you. Like, you you seem like you're kind of a bitch, and yeah. I want to and like let's let's get to that. Like, there's something funny about you, and then they release a podcast about like skincare or whatever, and you're
2: just like, yeah, oh, yeah, like,
3: yeah. Oh, come on, give me a break.
1: I would, if, from the extended Hills universe, I would love to see a podcast from Olivia Palermo from the city, just because I want to know what's going on with her. I miss her. <sighs> I
3: mean, just—I just, bet you could just ask. You yeah. know. <laughs> just like—is that a podcast? Just like let her Olivia, know and
1: she'll try it. Yeah. Just DM her. Let her know and she'll try.
5: Olivia, come on and talk to me. I just want to see what's up. Because <laughs> I also think that I think that a lot of these celebrities get sold. Um, they get sold a version of podcasting that seems like tremendously easy, and I think that when they realize that it's not just them showing up and talking and that they have to do like a little bit of work, they're like, "No, no, 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 that's not what I was told. I oh, thought no. I would just do this." That's, I think, why so many of them in because they realize that it's like maybe twenty percent more of an, an investment in time and I don't know, uh, I don't know, yeah. mental capacity than they thought it would be, which is, I think, totally fair because that's how I think. So- I think it makes sense to think that you just show up and talk into a mic yeah. and it's fine. But once Not they realize that it's like busy Not everyone can
3: be busy fill Not everyone can be such a chronic oversharing yeah. person that they're like, this is perfect for me. I'm ready. Or Bethany I'll tell Frankel. You th- I'll tell you mm-hmm. about how I got coffee this morning. I'm happy to do it. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of them actually don't want to do that. And like, then they realize like, oh, is that what this is? Oh, I just thought we were going to talk about like my skincare line or like my store that I sell like scarves in or whatever. It's yeah. like, no, mm. boring. Bobby, what I'm is your about?
5: keep at this? week oh my keep it is my keep it i'm i'm very like the town brained i'm like the town pilled so my keep it is um i saw that amazon is charging for night like 3.99 for commercial free prime and i said keep it i don't need amazon prime anymore what am i doing with it was this like realization where it was like i don't need amazon prime for buying stuff because i don't use it much anymore and i definitely don't need it for the video what's there what is it? The Chris Pratt show? I was like, (laughs) it was this wonderful, like a moment of enlightenment where I was like, I don't need any of this. Like the last show that I watched on there was The Summer I Turned Pretty and I liked it, but I was sort of like, this isn't for me. I don't need to do this. (laughs) Like, this is fine. I'm okay with this. Not in my life. I will
2: say Amazon (laughs) Prime is where I'm likely to go for like a very old movie. Like, like, because almost everything will end up being there as opposed to being on Peacock or Max or something. But it is... It is weird to think like, oh, I need to be signed up to all these services. Well, in reality, you kind of don't need to be signed no. up to any
5: of them. Yeah, No. And if We're there's a the straight old movie that I want to watch, calling. I'll just rent it. Like, I don't need to. I'm like sick of having to like scroll through all these things and pay $10 here, $10 here, $15 there. It's like, no, I'll just do a la carte. It'll be like, remember, mm. go, I'll, it'll be like going to Blockbuster and doing the rental and then returning it and being fine. <laughs> I'll live. Mm. But no. I, was, like, I love ads, the boys,
1: no. though. I love the boys. And so that's oh, why like I like the boys. My is Amazon. that faux...
5: Fo- fo- oh, Wait, yeah, I forgot the word. Oh, Fortage. Fortage. Oh, yes. Is that faux-tige, or is that Prestige? Or is it I neither? Think that's
3: I've never watched it. Fautige, I think. Yeah. It's faut-tige, really expensive.
1: It's very expensive. I feel like it's almost neither because it you watch it and you think like, "Oh, this is doing a very, you know, prestigious, serious send-up of mm-hmm. superheroes and our celebrity obsession, et cetera. Right. But no one creating the show is thinking that. Like, they're just making <laughs> no. a fun, pulpy yeah. show. It's that kind of a just-
3: comedy too. You're right.
2: Yeah. I don't know if this has ever happened before. I have basically the same keep it two weeks in a row, which is again to Rolling Stone Magazine. Um, Wow. First of all, last week I talked about how Jan Wenner sucks. Like everybody just on the internet like threw up their arms and said, oh, Jan Wenner sucks. This week there is a new list at Rolling Stone. Let me tell you about list making on the internet when it comes to the best 50, whatever, the worst 50, whatever. (laughs) What all those lists have in common is that I care about them. Uh, If you wrote it, I read the whole thing. I read every item. I am agreeing with you, disagreeing with you, livid, excited, all these things. There's a new list that's the 50 worst decisions in film history. Now, the first one, like, number one is that movie, The Conqueror, Mm. where everybody got cancer. Like, John Wayne and Agnes Moorhead or whatever. Like, they filmed in a place that was basically radioactive. And uh, everybody allegedly got sick. Okay, great. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. number, like, I'll get to number seven in a minute, which is the most concerning thing on the list. But, like, in the top five is Will Smith slaps Chris Rock at the Academy Awards. Like, the worst. uh, That's number four. Here's what's Mm -hmm. at number seven the Twilight Zone movie where three actors were killed on set. Oh, Guys, no. you can't put that on the list with Will Smith slaps Chris Rock. What? <laughs> John Landis is directing the Twilight Zone movie. The helicopter falls. Two mm. children oh are God. dead and so is celebrated actor Vic Morrow, the father of Jennifer Jason Leigh. That's not a decision. What? <laughs> like, you mean an, an accident? Like, the Hindenburg? Um... Compared to just a a very confusing moment from Will Smith on TV that I think we all realize later we both overreacted to and underreacted to in certain ways, but it's not like among the five worst decisions ever made. Very confusing. Very weird list. I feel Honestly, like that list, a decision. That, yeah, that list is sort
5: of like if you made a list of like the worst things Rolling Stone has ever done and you put that list on the same thing as like yeah. Jon Wenner's interview at the
4: yes. New York Times. <laughs> Next
5: to the list of Bruce Springsteen's 500
2: Greatest Bandanas or whatever they had last month. Yeah. Honestly, Every celebrity
1: who overreacted to Will Smith slapping Chris Rock has sort of had an awful karmic moment in the press. And so, I think it would tell people, don't comment on things anymore, actually. (laughs) And two, did they put um, John Landis um, having the decision to create Max Max Landis Landis. on that list?
2: (laughs) Right the The meeting that went into that you don't want to see. Uh, it's, it's really <laughs> just, morning show. Ask uh, what is
3: the? De- I just it's weird. That's like decision. Is it like decision to do something? Then then did something like that's what that that's what they're saying. They right? Didn't do it it that. clearly
2: was unintentional. Right? He didn't
3: kill them. It's like oh, the decision to make a movie not make a movie. Green like that doesn't make any sense. Like that's right. Because like number two that?
2: on this list is Burt Reynolds turns down James Bond, The Godfather, Star Wars, Pretty Woman, and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It's like, okay, so that's worse than- That's too than, many decisions. Yes, also, right. That's, that's seven different decisions. Too many decisions, yes. Yeah,
3: and also how many actors have turned down roles that are good? Like, okay, like, name one. You know, they've all turned down successful movies. You know movies.
5: what? I don't say this lightly, and I I truly don't say this lightly, and I know especially after, like, the writer strike and everything, that's giving AI. That list oh, is giving truly wow. yes. GPC to me. Yes, like, yes, maybe yes. They, like started as a framework and then someone filled it in. Like, that is not... That's not human. Mm. What's <laughs> actually, actually To
1: answer you, Lindsay, I guarantee Naomi Watts has never turned down a mil- movie role. Oh, my God.
3: <laughs> Coming for Naomi Watts, Unprompted. <laughs> oh. Unprompted. <laughs> oh. Oh.
4: Okay. Who is
5: now married to Billy Crudup, who was the star of The Morning Show. And now we're back to the morning show. Yes. Back to the morning yes, show. Yes.
1: Okay. Can we get her on The Morning Show? Oh.
5: She, she,
1: according to you, well, she's available. She never, and she's <laughs> she never seen out. She's
2: not offering. Meanwhile, you know who I would love to see on The Morning Show? Billy Crudup's ex. Well, let's get Mary Louise Parker trembling oh, in a newsroom. Yeah. That'd be a fucking oh, thrill.
4: Yeah.
3: Has she done a like prestige TV thing or am I that we weeds, didn't care weeds. about? Like, Actually, oh, oh but weeds stuff. Oh, like it uh, was like a million years ago. Right, like, That right. was even before prestige TV like reared its ugly head again. She for did that
2: "When to- We Rise" thing, the uh, mm. uh, Dustin Lance Black gay thing, a few years ago. But oh. there's been I didn't no like
3: show for no. her since weeds. Okay, that's shocking to me. Yeah, yeah Like she right. isn't. She's great.
5: God, mm. Naomi White's she on morning on morning show really has to happen. Oh,
1: Ira, she,
3: there's so many roles for her.
5: What is your keep it?
3: Mm. My keep
1: it is to detractors of Usher performing at the Super Bowl. Oh, I who? I don't get where I'm. These people on the internet. I just don't get people who are saying where are the hits? Oh, please! And what's he gonna perform? <laughs> Usher has so many hits.
4: Mm-hmm. Usher is
1: also of. Of men who are going to play the Super Bowl. And I think we all famously don't care about men who do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been Weekend, there's been Justin Timberlake. I'm sure Bruce Springsteen has done it 20 times. And I love The Boss. But when I rewatch a Super Bowl performance, it is Beyonce, it is Gaga, it is Madonna. Like we, I even sometimes rewatch Katy Perry's. It, it was a fun time, you know? <laughs> and they're there. I just think that he is going to be one of the only men. He's going to sort of give us what people were hoping Justin's was going to be because he's better than Justin. You know, there's going to be dancing. There's going to be hits that you love. Like, he'll probably bring out some bad bitch to perform with him, you know? So, like, I think it's going to be a really good performance and maybe one of the only male Super Bowl performances that gays will put on um, at parties to watch.
2: He also, I mean, Mm -hmm. he's like some, uh, I would say, pink, where they're just constantly invited to be in the mainstream, no matter how long Mm. they go away. And you also forget that they went away or had to come back. Well, well, that
1: was nasty. Should (laughs) we just say that, like,
3: to do the Super Bowl, you have to have a Vegas residency before? I feel like you have to try out your... Trot out your Mm. greatest hits and string them together and give us a a big show. And then we can let you narrow it down and do the Super Bowl. I just feel like it's perfect practice. Like that is, he proved that his show was the buzziest Vegas show for months and months. And I think still is up there. So it's like, of course he can do this. This is like Mm. with his eyes closed, he could do this.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm buzzing about the fact that I can't get tickets to Kylie's Vegas show. But um, (laughs) it's very, very difficult. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm very excited for Usher performing. I love
2: Usher. You don't have to and call all time great song. Yes, I yeah. love
1: Usher too. And I forget that he has so many hits in different decades that are very much different genres. When he did his Love in This Club and Oh My God, like that was he was not giving us what he'd given us in the '90s or the 2000s, early 2000s. So we're gonna get a lot of things. Unfortunately, Will I Am might come out.
4: Mm. Well, also, I want to oh. say about
2: uh, Usher. <laughs> this William is, could always, like, appear. That's, yeah. that's the thing <laughs> well, about that's, just, yeah, that's a life danger. He could always appear. Yeah. Um, no, but um, Usher has been famous since 1994. Yeah. And since that's almost teenager, 30 years ago. Yeah. This man is only 44 years old. I mean, it's bizarre that he is that young and has been famous that like he's. This is somebody who was a contemporary once upon a time of, like, boys to men, you know? Yeah.
1: I mean, I think about the fact that one of his best performances is when he performed Bad Girl in 2004 with Beyonce, obviously. Right. And watching them perform that and remembering that they are just in their early 20s then was mind-blowing to me just because we have other young pop girls and pop men come out in their early 20s. They're teens now and they're nowhere near the level of good as yeah, people who were teenage pop stars in the 90s. Yeah, and he just
3: did um, – not just, but he recently did his Tiny Desk and everybody – mm-hmm. and he was like – it was very acoustic and everybody was like, oh, my God, Usher, like, incredible. And it was just like, yeah, we know. But then – but you have to have those moments where people are introduced back into you and, like, you get that kind of, like, mm. remember remember, he's the best, which is I see that this. being,
5: like, a preemptive – I'm preemptively calling, like, a keep it in the future because you just know that after this Super Bowl show happens and it's amazing – there will be plenty of like pieces online, or at least tweets that are like, "Wow, who would have thought that was so good?" He really does. <laughs> I found myself recognizing every song that he sang, and it's like, yeah, there. People are going to be very annoying about how good this was the day after good. the Super Bowl. I think. one of those. That
1: good. Or one of those. Uh, what's that one website that always? I feel like the headline is always. Who is blank? And it's an explainer for people, but it's show. always someone where we know
5: who the fuck they are.
1: Hollywood
3: life. That's our entire show. It's Hollywood
1: that's
5: life.
3: That's like,
0: our
5: entire life. show
3: is like, that headline. Yeah. It's
5: It'll say, who is, who is Usher Raymond? 15 things to know about the Super Bowl halftime performer. Like, it that's that. it. It will be that. The headline I saw already this week was, well, Usher...
1: Be able to top Rihanna's Super Bowl performance, and I was like, "Did you see it? <laughs> <laughs> Rihanna has topped Rihanna's Super Bowl performance." Wow! So, <laughs>
4: anyway. but
5: no, I think then that's, but that's a, that'll be back to dancing. That'll be back to like theatricality. Like, definitely, wait, this is not going to be some stationary usher, you know. On wait, stage. wait,
3: Travis Kelsey played the Super Bowl last year. Travis, right? That's his name. And is he going to play in the Super Bowl this year? Like, are we going to get like a Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl supporting her husband Travis Kelsey? Oh,
2: I actually found that incredibly stressful. What you just said. Sorry. Is his
5: team
3: good? <laughs> I just thought of it. Wait,
2: is his team good?
3: Yeah, they're yeah, well they were at the Super Bowl last they were at the Super Bowl last year. Like I just Travis Chiefs. Kelsey
5: ke- team Bobby, what oh, are, the are you Chiefs? even
3: Googling? I'm like <laughs> Travis uh,
5: the, You want to see Travis Kelsey team question mark. I actually don't know why I put a question mark. It's the, it's
1: the it's Kansas City it's the Kansas City Chiefs, which okay. I've already been thinking about the fact that um Beyoncé is closing the Renaissance tour in Kansas City. And I'm like, will Travis Kelsey be in attendance? Because it's Kansas and Beyonce, and will Taylor be in the audience? I'm Sickening. I why would you even just say that?
3: It's so
5: early. On a, would Tuesday. Beyonce bring her up? <laughs> no, right? But maybe.
3: They don't have a song together. What would they Does do? Matter?
1: Like she she would be like, um
3: say how 15,
1: 15 years ago, I gave this white girl a thing on stage. <laughs> Taylor, come back out. <laughs>
3: God. I mean they literally won the Super Bowl last year, so I feel like okay. they I feel like the, the likelihood is is low that, that my fantasy yeah. would be realized. But you never yeah, know. Yeah, because
1: they're not the Patriots where okay. Tom, Tom Brady stayed at the Super Bowl. Right. Mm. Um, <laughs> he lived
3: there. Love yeah. us talking about sports.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good try, everybody. Okay. Yes. Okay. Lindsay, Bobby, thank you so much for being here. Um oh. it was really exciting. And um for I also us. have to say that. Truly, I, many friends that I had texted um, that you guys were coming on this show, they were like, this is my crossover dream. So
5: <laughs>
3: yeah. That was great.
5: Thanks for having us.
1: Much about appreciated, time. guys. Thank so you so much. So happy to be here. Yeah, And thank you to Tim Gunn for being here as well. We'll see you next week, but I will see you on Friday with an all-new episode of Keep It Real, which you always do. <laughs> I'm keeping it real like Kristen Cavallari, yeah. all right? You're getting the real. <laughs> oh my
3: God, someone has to keep it real. She'll never keep it real. After
1: six years of Keep It, I'm finally going to give you the real me. Oh my God, we've been begging. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Chris Lord. And our associate producer is Malcolm Whitfield. Our executive producers are Ira Madison III
2: and Louis Fertel. This episode was recorded and mixed by Evan Sutton. Thank you to our digital team, Megan Patzel and Rachel Gajewski, and to Matt DeGroot and David Toles for production support every week. And as always, keep it as recorded in front of a live studio audience.